Uh, my guest now has been described as a time explorer for finding an old abandoned Irish pub and posting pictures of the inside online, which feels somewhat eerie yet wonderful. Historian Dr. Paul O'Brien joins me now. Hi, Paul. How are you? Good morning, Brendan. How are you doing? Good, good, good. I have a look. I have these pictures in front of me. Uh, I'm, this kind of stuff really excites me. I love it. So it's a pub you came across and it was like a time capsule. So what year was it last? Uh, yeah, so it's a pub I uh, had the pleasure of exploring about six or eight weeks ago. I mean, it's literally like the Mary Celeste in there. <laughs> um, it was left um, by the last owner in sometime in the 1960s. Wow. She never, as far as I understand, darkened the door again. Don't know why. And uh, when the uh, present owner uh, bought it, um, it was like walking into, as he said, a film set where nothing had been touched. Literally nothing had been touched for more than 60 years. Isn't that incredible? So it, it's been a pub since 1890, I'm reading here, OK? Yes. And, and I, like, I just love the idea of whoever owned it in the 60s just turned the lock and walked away and never came back and we'll never know what happened. It's so that's interesting. Ex- that's exactly what happened. I mean, I'm sure you can see in the photos there, Brendan, like there's mountains of undrank, uh, still full bottles of whiskey, port, brandy, there's even bottles of my waddy, would you believe, on the shelves, wow. un- undisturbed, untouched. It's, I suppose you, you could say that the pub is like, it offers us an undisturbed view of the past, you know? Yeah. And even upstairs, the, the, the rooms are preserved at the piano, 18th century harpsichord. Describe upstairs. What was that like? That's where they lived, right? Yeah, they lived, they lived overhead. Um, so upstairs, again, you walk into the, I suppose they call it maybe the drawing room and the sideboard, all the other ornaments, family photographs. There was even someone's uh, false teeth in the glass. Really? Um, everything was just left there. Uh, it's as though the family woke up one morning and said, right, we're leaving and we're not coming back. Um, all personal items, things like um, even someone's boots were left at the end of a bed, letters, postcards, every piece of memorabilia. I suppose we call it memorabilia, but it was their everyday items. It'd be like you walking out of your house this evening um, and going and going back uh, six years later and going, "Wow, this is what I left behind." So, just how did you come across this pub? Uh, a friend of a friend, I suppose. For now, I can't disclose the location. Yes, of course. Um, asked um, uh, two friends and myself to pop down to have a look at, I suppose, the archive that was left behind of us as well. So all the all the commercial and family papers were there. What to do with those, essentially, as a historian who works uh, primarily in archives, they wanted advice. But I'll tell you, the archives were the last thing I looked at that day, uh, <laughs> for certain. So there's two questions I have immediately. First of all, you, you, you don't want to disclose the location um, if just for, to protect it? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. They don't want any unwelcome un- visitors, I guess, just, okay, yeah. just at the moment. While they're sorting it out, yeah. Exactly. Um, it's quite unusual that it survived Celtic Tiger, isn't it? That's really unusual, Brendan, because everything was turned into a super pub or thereabouts when, during, during the Celtic Tiger period. But this pub remained closed. Um, I'm sure people walked past it, knocked on the door. Uh, it's on a very busy street in a very busy location. Wow. And it survived the Celtic Tiger. It survived since. It has never been 
broken into, has never been chopped up. Uh, the, the owner has continued to maintain the building on the outside, at least painting it, cleaning the windows, but never going into it again. Wow, it's kind of amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it's really extraordinary, particularly in the context of Ireland, because, you know, everybody knows what's going on over their neighbour's wall. But this is really a time capsule, a window into the past, undisturbed since the 1960s. So the structure obviously is, is very well built because it's completely survived as well. And there's, and it's, everything is completely intact inside. As a historian, it must have been very exciting for you, was it? As a historian, Bernard, I was completely blown away. I mean, I've explored old mansions, I've explored old schoolhouses and things like that in the past. Um, but nothing prepared me for what I saw when I walked into this building. I thought, funny enough, you just made me think of something there. I, I love other people's homes. I love snooping around other people's houses. When I was a kid, I wasn't allowed to use the toilet when I would be visit people's houses because I'd go snooping around their bedrooms. And I'd come down and say to my mum, their, their duvets match their curtains. I mean, mother would shut up. <laughs> like other, but I think, that's an, I think that's kind of a national pastime, other people's houses, isn't it? It is, of course. Yeah, absolutely. And when we're, we're at this, this is a huge building as well, uh, three floors, so... We were in in the ground floor, up into the living quarters, up into the bedrooms, like brass beds, um, lockers, all the religious iconography, fireplaces in each room, of course, a very old house, and everything left undisturbed. I mean, the current owner even found um, this particular family, the, the, men, the men folk, he found their War of Independence medals left behind. Wow. Oh so as a goodness. historian, see War of Independence medals in their original boxes from the 1920s or thereabouts. It's really quite extraordinary. We only ever see those items generally in auction houses or in museums. Wow. So you, you feel, I'm sure you feel a sort of a weight of responsibility now. I certainly do, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, I'm going to ask you, what's the future and, and how can we find out more? But Right now, what's guess, the what's the snapshot of that life at that time in Ireland? What what can you tell? What was it like in I, Ireland? I, I guess it tells us that pubs, as most of us will know, were male uh, spaces mostly. Uh, however, this uh, particular pub is really unusual because it has a snug at the front uh, for women. However, at the back of the bar, there were three. We would call them cubicles, probably today, Brendan. Right. But back then, I think they were or definitely snugs. If you count up all the spaces, you could fit approximately, I'd say, 12 to maybe 15, 16 women on the premises. So that's unusual if, uh, if those cubicles were snugs. Um, there was a religious prayer behind the bar counter. So you're sitting at the counter having your pint and you're reading this religious prayer. So things like that have completely changed, you know. Um, you go into a bar now and people you just mind your own business, I guess. And thankfully, we live in a mostly egalitarian society, so men and women can sit wherever they like. Um, but I suppose that kind of separation of, of, of men and women back in the 60s and 70s, that mm -hmm. was very uh, apparent, I guess. Uh, can you tell anything else? A lot of religious iconography, as you said there, so a very religious time in the country as well. Very, We were very, I'm just looking, sorry, at the, a, a prayer to the Blessed Virgin for Ireland. I have the, it's a piece of cardboard hung. It's so, t you can you remember these as a child. It's like a, a, a sort of a mass card hung at the back of the bar and it's a prayer for you when you're having a drink. You can pray to the Blessed yeah, Virgin. Yeah, exactly. It's quite interesting. I think one of the family members might have been a nun 
so perhaps she was sending prayers from her convent to uh, to the bar for the for the punters uh, to be reminded uh, of their of their place a little bit, I guess. So what happens uh, now, uh, Doctor Paul? Do you take it apart and put it in a museum, or what happens? Will it become a little museum? Well, the intentions of the owner. Uh, uh, thankfully, he has conservation architects and engineers on site. They have, they're going to photograph absolutely everything, take everything out, uh, repair everything, and put it back together exactly as they found it. <gasps> and um, beyond that, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, it's really exciting, especially to see it at this point of the project. Um, and they're going to put it back, as I said, exactly. And hopefully it might become a bar again. Uh, I'm not quite sure if it is going to become a bar again. Certainly, um, I'm sure the public will be invited in in due course uh, to explore. And that's interesting because you posted pictures at the beginning of November and there was a, of the interior of the pub on social media and there was a huge reaction, wasn't there? So people are really interested in this. People are so interested. I think that particular photo had 400,000 views wow. in, in a few days and loads of DMs, uh, people trying to guess the location or one one person sent me quite a message and said that was my father's pub and I said where is the pub and the person said a, a county at the wrong end of the country if you like or the <laughs> other end of the country and I said I'm afraid not and he said oh I'm so, I'm so disappointed I thought it was. He, yeah. he remembered the interior he said so it really struck a chord with people. Listen, we'll be in touch when you can give us an update on what's happening with this in the future. But uh, historian Dr. Paul O'Brien, thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you Text so much. was 51551, of course. 